It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. Hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, we're back with you this week. It's me, and I've got a special guest with us that uh, I think you're all going to enjoy, and so I'm looking forward to uh, the topic that he and I are going to discuss. Before we get started, I want to ask you to follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill, to like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast, and subscribe to us on every uh uh, whichever platform you so choose to get your podcast, and that way every time we upload a new one, uh, it'll be there for you to listen to. So uh, Chris isn't with me this week. Uh, that's okay. Uh, he'll be back with me next week, and he's got a, a great topic picked out uh, that I think a lot of our punk rock fans are going to enjoy. Uh, so this week uh, I have a special guest with me. A couple, probably a month or so ago, uh, a person left a uh, review on Facebook for us, and uh, so I messaged him like I normally do when people do that and say, hey, you know, give me your address. I'll send you a little something in the mail to thank you for it. He sends me his address, and lo and behold, he lives about two or three miles from me. And uh, so he and I got to be uh, friends on Facebook. It turns out we have a couple of uh, 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 mutual friends in common. And uh, he's just a big music nut like the rest of us. And so uh, he and I got to talking, and uh, so I decided to uh, ask him to come on the podcast so, uh, without further ado, Mr. Steve Stafford. Thank you very much. Good to be here. How are you doing? Doing well. A little, little rainy from, uh, tonight, but otherwise, all, all is well. Yeah, so Steve and I are recording this literally in the middle of a monsoon. Uh, the weather here has been terrible. Tornadoes all around us. Uh, and uh, you may hear some thunder or, or the rain at some point during this podcast. If, if you do, uh, I apologize, but it is, uh, it's storming uh, really really bad well steve uh you know if you listen to the podcast we kind of like to ask everybody the same two questions so what's your earliest memory of music and who was your first favorite artist oh for earliest memory of music has to be billy joel's still rock and roll to me i had that 45 when i think i was like four years old really so that's that is probably my first musical memory and uh probably my first favorite band when i was uh i guess 83 when Def Leppard Pyromania came out. That was the first rock and roll album I really? ever had. 
We probably not the first person to say that. No. <laughs> the first person we've had on there mention uh, Billy Joel. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that Pyromania album, uh, man, I think sometimes people forget just how huge that was. Uh, you know, you hear Eddie Trunk talk about he worked in a record store and he's like, we didn't put it on the shelf. It just came in in a box and we just put it out in the middle of the store and people just snagged it. Uh, yeah, it was uh, fooling. It, uh, I started watching MTV, I think, on day one. As a little kid, we moved to Lafayette, Louisiana, had cable for the first time, which was which is kind of crazy to think about now. And um, anyway, that the video for Fooling came on, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And so my mom I was homesick from school, and I guess she felt bad and went and bought me Pyromania, and still have the uh, the album now on vinyl. Well, that's a mother of the year. Yeah, that is um, <laughs> one of the cooler things she did until I got into Ozzy, and then she. Banned MTV from the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so you know, you've, I've seen you on Facebook talk about some like your favorite bands. So if you had to like name five or six of your favorite bands, what would they be? Um, favorite bands of all time, um, definitely. We talked as we talked earlier, Drive by Truckers and Jason Isbell. That kind of those two. Um, I, I guess they're separate now. Um, still, a pretty big fan of Def Leppard. Uh, really like oasis which is mm-hmm. you know why well, i guess i'm here right um, <laughs> and uh oh, narrowing it down to a top five it's always hard um big pink floyd fan big black crows fan um almond brothers and i can keep going it gets kind of crazy jimmy buffett's in there somewhere not cheeseburger in paradise <laughs> and that stuff but he's got some really good well i know you you had mentioned at one point uh butch walker yes so um big, like dig butch walker chris who does the uh my co-host that does the podcast with me is a massive Butch Walker fan. So we've already talked about possibly having you do a Butch Walker nice. episode with him. I have liked him since he was in South Gang. So <laughs> that's what that's what Chris would say. So um, Chris is all the time sending me uh, quotes from from Butch from like his book and stuff on Twitter. And um, you know, Butch Butch is just a huge music fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and he's not ashamed. Sorry, folks. You probably pick up the thunder we just had hit, but uh, all right. So you mentioned that today's topic is Oasis, and I was telling you earlier that uh, it wasn't until I did this, started this podcast, that I realized just how many people liked Oasis like I do. Yeah. Um, I kind of got made fun of a lot in college for liking them so much. Like I loved them. Uh, that what's the story? Morning Glory didn't come out on a CD player for a long time, uh, but. It, it, it's 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 very interesting. I was telling you, there's a definite crossover between the Black Crows community and the Oasis community. Um, it may be the fact that uh, <laughs> both bands have uh, very egotistic front, uh, egotistical front men, and their brothers play guitar and actually are the ones that write most of the music. That yeah. uh, that tend to be. Uh, I think that uh, would be a very easy connection to make. A little more level-headed. Um, so like Oasis, I, real quick on how I got into them. So where I went to college had U ninety two was the college radio station, and um, I had a job on campus where I wound up in a in like a university vehicle most of the day, uh, and so driving around. So I was listening to music. So there was a song that always played on there, but they never came on and said who the band was. Well, this wasn't like in the era of the internet really to where you could just go look something up. You had to kind of wait until they said who the band was. Well, the song was Live Forever. 
but uh, I never knew who played it. But every time it came on, I really enjoyed it. Well, flash forward like a year later in our fraternity house, it was late one night, and a guy went on to be one of my best friends. He put a CD in, and it was that song. I'm like, who is that? And he said, that's this band called Oasis. And literally like the next month, What's the Story Morning Glory came out, and we all know it just blew up. And so um, initially I bought What's the Story Morning Glory, and then I went out, went back and bought Definitely Maybe. And then from then on, I've been a fan. I've, I have everything that they've put out officially, including a lot of the B-sides. So that's kind of where I got to be an Oasis fan. Where did where did they kind of pop up on your radar? Um, definitely Maybe came out my sophomore year of college. Sometime either end of my freshman year, uh, beginning of my sophomore year of college. Um, and I, as I told you earlier, I have a lot of visual connections to music because of MTV and growing up watching mm-hmm. MTV. And I saw the video for Supersonic on MTV and just thought it was really truly just this great different sounding thing and then um bought the album drove down to bebop bought the cd listened to it and it's it's in my uh i guess category of what i call complete albums it's an album to me that you can put in hit play and listen to it all the way through and definitely skip, maybe definitely maybe and never skip a song and i that since then it's just been i've enjoyed everything they put out i've, I've re-listened to everything over the last week or two and right. I can't find a bad song and so that's well I mean it's it's I've kind of come to that conclusion on, on to some extent initially I said I told Steve let's do our top five Oasis songs that's impossible and I was like let's do our top 10 and then I said we're going to have to do top 15 and so I've got 15 then I have 15 honorable mentions <laughs> that uh, very easily could have could have made it and I didn't really realize until I sat down and said you have to like pick they have so many good songs and so many different sounding songs. I think a lot of people try to pigeonhole them with that uh, What's the Story Morning Glory sound. Yeah. It's really not the case. No. I mean, their, their sound changed. And, you know, in America, that was their apex. And, you know, I told you, I saw them in 2002 in Atlanta, like 2,500 people. You know, and probably a week earlier, they're playing in South America to 50 or 60,000 people. Yeah. And they just, for whatever reason, and we'll get into it, I have some theories on it, but for whatever reason, their popularity in America just never took off the way it did everywhere else. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, they had some bad experiences in America, like uh, their show with the Troubadour. Yeah. Their set list got mixed up, and they they all started playing. They were playing three different songs yeah. at one time. you know. But we got talked tonight out of that, because Noel... Got it, you know. Got mad and and went off to San Francisco with some girl and wrote, you know, one of their better songs. But then, like they played on MTV and they played at the MTV Music Awards. And they did Champagne Supernova, and Liam Gallagher's obviously out of his head, you know. And at the end of the song, he takes his beer, throws it up in the air, and then blows his nose and lets snot drip down on the stage yeah. live during the show. And I kind of feel like Liam never embraced America. You know, they came up that tour that I saw them. They played. They were just, they were supposed to play. I think on Conan. They get in a car wreck before the show. Liam can't play. Noel has to do you know, the show. Has to do the show. And yeah. so it was. I think it was an MTV Unplugged they did, um, where Noel's out there having to play because Liam's throat sore. Quote unquote was throat sore. sore. But he's sitting up in the balcony, Harassing. smoking a cigarette. You know, messing with Noel and uh, giving him grief. And that that's I, I distinctly remember that. And that was the point where I really 
kind of didn't like Liam very much anymore. I love the band, but that just uh, I just thought that was that was that was pretty rough. All right, so you talked about definitely maybe it's the first album that came out. In retrospect, it wound up selling eight million albums. I think a lot of that's thanks to what's the story, Morning Glory. So it's their debut album. You said you think it's a perfect album, top to bottom. It's it's a complete album. It, it's one that I can listen to every track on it and not have a problem. I can just hit play. Um, and there's not a lot of those albums out there for me, right? But I, there's probably ten or twelve of them that I I can give that that category or give that. Well, I think one of the big takeaways from it is very crudely recorded. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it's their more, most just basically straight up, here's who we are, yeah. rock album. I mean, there's not a lot of frills. There's not a lot of, you know, studio touches that, you know, and it's not blown, overblown like when we get to like Be Here Now. Yes. Yeah. Um, what What are some of your favorite songs off of? Um, probably my favorite's Rock and Roll Star. I, I, that's That's... When I get to my top 15, it's right up there at the top. And that was one of them. And listening to that album, Supersonic is what drew me in. But I just love that song. Uh, just a, It's a, got a nice raw guitar sound to it, and um, which is one of my, I guess, things in music that I like anyway. Right. Um, that will quickly draw me in, but I've just always dug that song. Well, this album, I don't think, really made a huge dent over here. Um, no. You know? I was the only person I knew that really, really liked Oasis. So. Well, like I said, Live Forever heard on college radio, um, and uh, the uh, the other stuff you had to be kind of plugged in to to really, I guess, know that much about the album. Um, I guess it was moderately successful at the time in yeah. in England, uh, but they were still very much rough around the edges musically and from like a media standpoint. Yeah. Um, well, and if you watch the Supersonic documentary, um, I went back and watched that again for the however many time, many a time. That show in L.A. where every the set list got mixed up and Noel took off when he came back. That was kind of him grabbing the reins of the band, and it's his band now versus it being right the rain, which it was before it was Oasis. Right. All right. You said you think it's like a a perfect album. If you had to pick the weakest track on there, what would mm, it be? Oh, mine's Married with Children. Probably, yeah. I, I couldn't. I, I'd probably agree with that. I, I, I don't know. I like the whole thing. So. You know, one of the knocks on the album is that a lot the the guitar tone and everything is pretty much the same, but they didn't have a lot of money. No, um, I, I think it's forgivable for a first album for an unknown, not I guess relatively unknown, band right? To to not have a ton of money thrown at it. So. They get through with definitely maybe they tour some and they go into the studio and they make what many people think is their is their masterpiece. What's a story? Morning Glory. Now it has sold twenty seven million albums. I think it's the largest selling album in the history of uh, of England. And of course, it spawned the singles Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger, Champagne Supernova. And you were talking about your product, the MTV Generation. Yeah. You could not get away from the Wonderwall video, even no. if you wanted to. No, and it's a great song, but yeah, it was that one got beat into the ground pretty pretty heavily. Well, you know, they the big knock that um, a lot of my friends had was, oh, they all look like the Beagle, the Beatles, uh, and you know they they kind of did at the time with their um, with their haircuts, but Wonderwall was huge. And in Champagne Supernova, like even if you're not a fan of music and you're around our age, you know 
those two songs. Like yeah. my wife, who's not a music fan at all, she knows, oh, Oasis, they play Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall. And then you had, you know, the first kind of Noel track, Don't Look Back in Anger. Yeah. Um, which is, if you ever go see, have you ever seen Oasis? No, I've never got, I, I passed on the Oasis Black Crows. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there are three, three concerts that I totally regret uh, skipping on, and that is one of those three. So, Well, I've seen Oasis, and I've seen Noel Solo. And Don't Look Back in Anger, it's almost kind of like the Freebird moment, yeah. where you know everybody just goes crazy for it, and he lets the crowd sing it. All right, so it's What's a Stormy Morning Glory. It's their biggest-selling album of all time by far. What are your thoughts? Um definitely just a great album um uh, morning glory is actually one of my probably favorite oasis songs period um i i had a lot of they they got a lot of comparison to the beatles i think they welcomed it to some degree they kind of bragged about it and they bragged about being better than the beatles and (laughs) bragged about a lot of stuff right um but it, it truly is a it's it's another great album i think it was much more i like the raw edge of definitely maybe still to this day um and um but it's uh champagne supernova is another one of those songs that i think everybody in the world listen to um it's 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 a good song it's i don't know if it's one of my favorite um songs out there but i really really uh, do enjoy that album and morning glory is probably my favorite off of that one well i came up with a with a podcast idea on my last um uh, when I was doing our Def Leppard podcast, songs the radio has ruined for you. <laughs> and let's just say that Champagne Supernova would probably be one of those ones. Um, I know you're a Ron Adams fan, so what, what, what's your take on Ron Adams' version of Wonderwall? It's good. Um, I, I've heard Noel perform it a couple of times on TV and stuff. and I, um, So I've, I've dug Noel's solo version of it. And I like Ryan's. Um, Ryan actually does a... a really cool cover of an Iron Maiden track uh, Wasted Years yeah, yeah. which is um, I saw that and I'm a pretty big Iron Maiden fan uh-huh. um, and I was like no he can't do this and it ended up being one of the best um, cover songs I, uh, versions of that song I've ever heard it's well he's incredible. a metalhead at heart yeah. oh yeah um, you know I've seen where Noel has said that he didn't understand that he didn't understand the song Wonderwall until Ryan Adams recorded it which I think is a pretty good, yeah, pretty good compliment. All right, so you said you think Morning Glory is your is your favorite on there. Um, I think this album. Um, I think the the three big singles kind of in retrospect um, don't ruin it for me, but kind of take take away a little bit because, like we said, they were so big. Um, I think some of the lesser known songs on there are great. Cast No Shadow. Yeah, some might say Hello. Uh, Morning Glory, I'm like you. Uh, Morning Glory is my favorite song. Yeah, on the album. Well, when this came out, like we said, they exploded and they went from being, you know, moderately successful in England to being literally as big as the Beatles. Uh, if you want to look at album sales, you know, I think Morning Glory is the largest best-selling album in the history of of England. I think. Yeah. Or at yeah. least it was for a while. Yeah. I know Noel has said that uh, that album kept the uh, British government afloat for like two or three years, you know? Um, and so they go on to be, I dare say like they were, for, for they had a two or three year span. They're as big as you too. Yeah. Uh, they were um, 
they were huge at that point in time, and you, I don't think there was you know they played worldwide a bigger yeah, band at that point. You know, and they played that Nebworth, Nebworth concert. Yeah. You know, it's like a hundred and hundred something thousand people, and they say in that documentary they could have sold it out seven nights in a row yeah. had they chose to do it. <clears throat> in America, they blew up with MTV, um, and they like we said, just for whatever reason, stuff happens when they come up, come over here. Uh, and, you know, obviously they came over here on that tour and they were playing bigger arenas, but still they weren't doing the business. What's your, what's your take on that? I, I My theory a lot of times is that these bands become big in Europe and the European fans, once they become a fan of somebody, they don't turn their back on them. Well, I think that's very much true about America. Uh, I, I live in America, but um, our fickleness kind of is, is uh, create stuff like that. I think that, you know, you're cool for a minute and then... You know, when you're not cool, you're not cool, and the attention span on that is very short. Um, um, I got a buddy that previously played in a fairly successful band, um, and he and a couple of his friends, he said, at any point in time, I could go to Japan without even a band name, and we could play over there and sell arenas out because of who we are and how people like us, and they right. quit liking us there. And I think that outside of probably country music here in the United States, if you're doing pop music or rock or whatever, you're your window of time is pretty small and in, in general. And, You're kind of born to die. Yeah. And so when you when you take a band like Oasis who, um, or I even say like Robbie Williams, who is a pop star, was in a boy band over there that was hugely successful. Robbie Williams was hugely successful in Europe. He never got traction here, and he should have. Like, uh, Not that I'm a super big fan of Robbie Williams, but... It Over there, did, he did sell out stadiums. Yeah, he, like he did, I think it was Nebworth on one of his, it was mm-hmm. like 350,000 people, um, some stupid amount mm-hmm. for, for an end of a tour concert. And um, so I think that I think that here, it's, it's for whatever reason, I don't understand it. I'm not that way. Uh, as far as bands I like, I like them until, even though they put out bad music, I just, well, I just right. don't like that music, but I still like them and I'll right. go see them play. Right. Yeah, that was definitely the, the, the case with Oasis. Um, at this time, it's pretty well documented. Noel Gallagher had quite the cocaine habit. Yes. Um, and uh, they now go in to record an album, and they have basically an unlimited budget. And uh, like we said, Noel had a very well documented cocaine uh, habit. And they go in and they record an album that, if I'm being honest, in my in my history of liking music is probably in my top 10 most anticipated albums ever released. Um, and I can remember where I was. I was driving back from Louisville, Kentucky with a friend of mine. And the DJ was like, we have the world premiere of the new single from Oasis. And it was, do you know what I mean? Yes. And I remember like, holy cow, I'm ready to hear this. And then I got the album. And I'll have to say I was very underwhelmed uh, at first. And really for a long time, and I think I actually traded the CD to somebody soon after it came out. Um, in my opinion, this album is a great example of what happens when you have an unlimited amount of money, nobody telling you no, and a drug habit. Yeah. it. Um, this was the album that I really wanted to like, and I just didn't in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't terrible, but it's probably got some of my least favorite Oasis songs on it as a whole. Um, 
I remember the. <laughs> I went to a uh, small Baptist college, and so we didn't have a cool radio station that right. played anything like this. So at the time, MTV and and this is the very very early beginnings of the internet were were my connection to finding music, and so this um this album as a whole. I remember the video for uh, you know what I mean coming out. It was just really cool video. I really wanted to like the song, and I still do like that song, but it it just kind of under, it's like under, a six it, minute song yeah and it kind of just the the, the the rest of the album just kind of underwhelmed compared to the previous two and you know i think a lot of bands have that where you know you what's the the, the saying that you know you have 10 years to write your first album and, and then you got a year to write the next one right. and less time after that so i think you know it's kind of bound to happen um but this one was definitely uh um drugs are bad um as Mr. Mackey would say on South Park, <laughs> um, and probably definitely affected that. So, um, I, I would agree. Um, quick trivia question: Do you know who's helping play guitar on um, was it Fade In, Fade Out? Probably not off the top of my head. Johnny Depp. Yeah, that figures. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, your drug addiction. <laughs> but you know, they the the album it had some some songs that, in retrospect, are you know pretty fairly big yeah uh was it um i don't have the album listen i get sometimes i get is it um um you got all around the world was yeah that there, was um which was probably the next biggest song on that album stand by me is on there which that's I the actually, one i was which i actually like that song yeah that's that is uh, one of my probably my favorite one off of that album um and so um so do you know what i mean stand by me were my two Oh, well, see, I, I like on the album. on the on the re-release they have Noel singing "My Big Mouth." Yeah, I prefer that over the Liam version. Yeah, um, and I do like the song "Magic Pie." Yeah, uh, on there, but um, very underwhelmed, whelmed by that when it came out. But still sold well, sold eight million albums. So, I mean, they still have the Golden Touch. Um, yeah, but I also went right down the street to Bebop and bought that. Right. Which for anybody that's listening, not in the, the, the area which we live in, Bebop was a record store that was, uh, there was a couple of them here in town, and so that was where you would go to buy Right. Um, they had a, a pretty pretty broad spectrum of music, so. Yeah, pretty much if it was. Um, it's also where you bought your concert tickets. Yeah, you bought your <laughs> concert tickets, and, and they would just order whatever you wanted to for them. It was a great uh, record store. Um, all right, now, I have in my notes... The next uh, next thing is the master plan, yeah. which was a B side album. And so let's talk about this because there a lot of bands, their B sides aren't very good. You could make an argument that Oasis, Radiohead, and the Black Crows are the three best B side album makers of all time. The Black Crows have literally albums sitting on the shelf that that are great. Um, Radiohead is known for their B-sides. Oasis's B-sides, in some cases, are more popular than their hit songs. Yeah. And so they released The Master Plan, which has the song The Master Plan on it, which at the time, Noel says the greatest song he's ever written. Um, it has Talk Tonight, Acquiesce, um, Going Nowhere, uh, great, great songs. And then uh, one song that's not on there that's one of my favorites is a song called Step Out. Yeah. which they play on the Familiar to Millions live album. But you got to admit, What's the Story of Morning Glory's huge release, Be Here Now. Um, a little underwhelmed by it. 
And at this point, when a B-side album comes out, I remember kind of thinking, well, they're spent. Yeah. This is what you do when you don't have anything left in the tank. What, what are your thoughts on the album? Um, as a whole, <coughs> I think probably the one thing that I wish they hadn't done on it was the Beatles cover. Because, but knowing the uh, probably arrogance of the the two folks that run that band, it was done probably just as well. Funny. That was the big thing. The Beatles never played that song live. Yeah, and Oasis played it live. And yeah, and I so think they were out of their heads when they did it. Probably, um, "Acquiesce" is probably my favorite track off of that. I really, really, really like that song, and that's that's all I've always really liked that song. If I remember correctly, that's the first one with Lowell and I mean Noel and Liam trading vocals. Yeah. And like I said, revisiting a lot of this music over the last probably two weeks, I really kind of dig Noel's voice a lot more than I do Liam's. You needed the swagger that Liam clearly has, um, I think, on the front end of this, but I really like Noel's voice, and I've started to realize that I like a lot of his tracks a lot. And Noel's the songwriter. Yeah. He's the musician. I mean, yeah. um, I agree. You can go listen to some of these demos that they've released where Liam's not singing on them, and it's Noel, and just from seeing Noel in concert, like he played uh, Go Let It Out when I saw mm-hmm. him. Yeah. The vocals were, were great on it. Um, and these these a lot of these songs were so hard to get in America at the time. Yeah. Like Step Out and stuff. You had to get the import. Well, it was may cost you 25, 30 bucks to, yes. get, the, to get the single. Um, but over in England, they were just as popular as their other songs. Look at some of their set lists. A lot of their set lists back then played songs that were never "quote unquote" released in America. Yeah, "Step Out" being you know being one of them. Um, so that album comes out. I'm kind of in my head thinking they're washed up for whatever reason. They don't have anything else to do because they're putting out an album of B sides. But they're really standing on the shoulder of giants. In my opinion, if they've ever missed the mark, this is where they missed the mark. Um, and I don't have uh, an album sales total on this. For whatever reason, I couldn't find it. I think it sold well initially in the UK, but uh, in my opinion, if they if they have a dud, this is the dud. Yeah, I think it. it I'm trying to look here real quick. It peaked peaked in the UK, of course, at number one. Um, U.S. Billboard it hit 24. Um, it's they're just. Um, this is probably the one that I would say there's not. I don't know if there's a song that I just super dig on the whole thing. It just it was not for me. Um, I I did not particularly enjoy it. And even going back and listening to it, have have been it's been a dud. Still, I think it's a drug album. Like it's very. <laughs> you have the song like Gas Panic and Who yeah. Needs Love. Those are very kind of have like a psychedelic feel to it. Yeah. Um, go let it out. Is one of those rare songs, especially for a band like them, to me sounds a whole lot better live than it did in the studio. Yeah. Now there are uh, a couple of Noel songs on there that I think are that I personally like. Sunday Morning Call and Where Did It All Go Wrong. Yeah. Those are slow songs, but um, Go Let It Out was a single, and then uh, on that familiar 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 to millions album, yeah. you have uh, Gas Panic. And uh, who feels love, which to me sounded a lot better than they did on the studio version. But at this point, I'm kind of thinking they're they're done. Well, yeah, and they uh, this is the this is the album that I just kind of scanned over my my top 15 and my honorable mention that not a track on the album made it. And there's one from at least every other mm-hmm. one involved in that. And so, but yeah, I, I, at the time, this was when I kind of started 
you know, I guess not paying attention to them as much. Still like the other stuff that I like, but um, at the time I started as a fan, just kind of like, all right, y'all are, you know, this is it. Come up with something original, please, you know, and just do something that sounds good. And it, it just, and this was really their last shot at America. Yeah. Um, after this, America wrote them off. Um, and, you know, the album was lukewarm. The reviews on it weren't great. They go back in the studio and they release Heathen Chemistry. Now, I was really excited about this release because I had heard it was kind of going to be a return to form. I think maybe the drug habits and everything kind of fell by the wayside at this point. Um, but also, I think this was kind of the height of Noel and Liam not getting along. Um, so Heathen Chemistry comes out. I saw them on this tour at the Tabernacle in Atlanta. Um, this was about the time that Napster was getting so big. Yeah. And I remember having all the songs on Napster before the album actually came out. Um, this album comes out and they come to America right when it comes out and go on a tour. Um, like we were talking earlier, they're in a car wreck or something and they have yeah. to be on, um, uh, like Conan. I think Noel even had a bandaid on and like a black eye over his, over um, a black eye and a bandaid over his eye. Um, it has its moments for me. Yeah. Now I will say this. I think it's one of the coolest album titles ever. Yeah. I love the title. Of and they album. saw a t-shirt with yeah. that on it. That's where they got the name yeah. from. I think it's a great, great album title. Um, this one, um, you know, when you get stop crying your heart out was probably, I think that's probably my favorite track off of the whole album, which is probably one of the, I, I don't know if that's the biggest single they had off of that one, but it was a great album title and it was to me better than, than the previous effort they made. And so, but yeah, they were, I think the, the, the brother, the lack of brotherly love was definitely showing at this point in their career, and you know, and that was the thing for me as a fan. It was like you get to watch Liam be the way Liam is, and it's kind of a turnoff. It's, put, right. it's, all, it's definitely off-putting to watch it, especially right. when you're you're watching, dude. That's your brother, and right. <laughs> why are you doing this to him in performances after performance after performance? Bailing, ah, my throat's sore, whatever it is that he can come up with. So, well, and right before this is when they went on the brotherly love tour with the black crows and then the band space hog opened up for them, which is composed of brothers. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Chris Robinson goes on to marry Kate Hudson. They get divorced and she winds up with the lead singer of space. Hog. Yeah. Um, both Noel Gallagher and Steve Gorman and Rich Robinson and Chris Robinson have all said that's their favorite tour of all time. Yeah. And the crows toured with Jimmy page. Yeah. Uh, so, for whatever reason, they bonded. I kind of feel like Neil and Rich, I mean, Noel and Rich are sitting backstage going, I feel you, brother. Yeah, they they had to. And that's, uh, I think we've had the conversation about, um, you know, those two those two bands being favorites of both of ours. And we both sided with the guitar player. I think that was right. your comment. That- <laughs> yeah, we both sided with the guitar player. It seems like he's the most level-headed one. Um, let's talk about that for a second. Not necessarily the guitar player. But before we get back into Heathen Chemistry, Noel Gallagher, if I had to go on a cross-country road trip and I can pick three people, he's one of the three. Yeah. I find him so fascinating. I find Liam extremely off-putting in his interviews. I don't know if it's – and I almost wonder sometimes if Liam doesn't have – and you're a counselor. You may know more about this than me. He almost has, like, extreme social anxiety. Because if you'll notice, like, in their shows, like, if it's a Noel song or during the solo, Liam will stand there with, like, the tambourine on his head – or, you know, he'll make, like, weird faces at the crowd. It's almost like he doesn't well, know what to do. And I think some of it, to me, or at least how I take it, and, of course, I 
you know, I guess professionally I have to make the statement that I don't know either of these people right. and whatever. But, you know, for me, it, I think clearly Noel has a tremendous amount of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as when they recorded stuff and, and songs he's written and – He's just a great talent, and I don't think I've listened to Liam's solo album, and I've listened to Noel's multiple solo albums. Mm-hmm. You can clearly tell where the talent is, and so I think with with Liam, there's probably a bit of that. Um, I don't like this because he recognizes that he doesn't have the talent, so he has to be attention seeking right. when he gets out there and does stupid, goofy stuff, right. and, and try to kind of bag on his brother. So I think you know, I, I would, and I guess this this is. In watching both of them through their careers, initially the 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 sheer amount of arrogance that both of them have, I guess if you want to call it that, is is amazing to watch. Like, and because I'm so not that way when it comes to like I actually care about what people think and just right. being that cocky, I guess. And but there's a difference like being cocky. It's kind of like Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was one of the most cockiest NFL players that's probably ever played mm-hmm. the game, but he backed it up. Mm-hmm. Noel was cocky, but he backed it up. Liam was cocky, but there's nothing really to back up other right. than he was just loud and abrasive, and right. there's nothing behind it. So I think that probably is where some of their, I mean, clearly, you know, when you write songs, you make more money, so Noel's making more money, he's got more talent, he's all these other things, and, and they're brothers, so you, right. have to, you know, you have to kind of, uh, I, I, it would be probably difficult to have a brother that was as, you know, as talented and gifted, and then you're like, well, I'm getting the saying. <laughs> right, and I think Liam started the band, right? Yeah, the band, has... the band was called The Rain beforehand, and so I can't remember how it – I watched the Supersonic. It's on the Supersonic documentary mm-hmm. if you go back and watch it. Um, but they were playing, and I think Noel went with them and was kind of helping them. Because like he was like a roadie for yeah, another band. Yeah, he was a roadie for another band, and then he – he was starting to write some songs, and he played them, and you know that that kind of pulled him in there because they didn't really have any great songs, and so here comes Noel with great music, and so they start playing it, and so it was the band was called The Rain. I'm pretty confident of that, and um, so it was, and it was the original Oasis lineup minus Noel Gallagher, and so when he came in, they became Oasis. Well, like I said, Heathen Chemistry it has some, it has some good songs on it that I really, I love Hindu Times. Yeah, uh, Little by Little, that's my favorite Noel Oasis song. Uh, saw him. In like a fifteen hundred person theater in New Orleans last year, yeah, he played that. The place went crazy. He lets the crowd basically sing the chorus. Yeah, that song. Um, I told you before we started. Um, I know the song and I listened to the song. Mm-hmm. And in the last two weeks, I've started listening to the, all this back catalog stuff. And I guess minus my own greatest hits. And that song went from oh, I like that song to currently it's it's way up in my top of Oasis. Yeah. So I truly have grown to love that song in the last two weeks. And so I, I, that's that's hands down my favorite song on this album. Uh, it's so good. Uh, Stop Crying Your Heart Out. I think Liam wrote that song. Do you have the set? Do you have it pulled up? Uh, I'm yeah, yeah, let me see. We got... Uh, that well, the, the only one that on Heathen... Uh, on Heathen Chemistry. Uh, let's see. Liam wrote Songbird, and he wrote Born on a Different Cloud... He wrote Better Man. Um, so there's a couple he wrote, but that's... All right, and this is Stop the album... Your Heart Out's Noel. And this is the album where, like, Gim Archer came on, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because uh, I think he has a song... He was there from 99 to 09. So. Yeah, uh, and he plays with Noel now, um, <clears throat> which is <clears throat> really cool. All right, so Heathen Chemistry comes out, still sells 3.5 million worldwide, but you're, you're seeing a steadily steady decline. 
Um, one thing I do want to mention is before Heathen Chemistry came out, they did record the live album Familiar with Millions. Yes. Recorded at Wembley. I think it's one of the last shows at Wembley Stadium before they yeah. tear it down. Because you can hear like Liam, they need to tear this dump down, you know, beforehand. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite live albums of all time. Um, it, it's a great example of just how big they were. The crowd is insane for this show. Yeah. Um, almost takes on the characteristic of like a South American crowd with how yeah. they're jumping up and down and, and, and yelling. Um, did you buy this when it came out? I did buy it when it came out. I had it, played it, um, did like it. Um, they were back and forth. Live albums are weird for me. Sometimes I really like them and other times I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite albums of all time is The Eagles Live. That's also because I probably burned through eight cassettes when I was in high school. And it was kind of one of those things. So it was a great live album. Um, there were songs on there that I, I think I'm in the Walruses in that on yeah. that, that's on that album. Which, like I said, for whatever reason, that was, was like, all right, you get enough grief for being the Beatles. And maybe that was them going, fine, we'll record a Beatles song. Right. And we'll put it out on the album. But it was it was a good, it was a good solid uh, live album. I, I think I have the DVD somewhere still. Yeah. Um, that's where I heard Step Out for the first time. And then they play a Neil Young song, uh, yeah. Hey, Hey, My, My. Um, all right, so Heathen Chemistry comes out, um, doesn't do much in the States. Worldwide, still it's successful. If you're still putting out, selling three and a half million albums in the early 2000s, you're still successful. Then came Don't Believe the Truth. And this was kind of heralded as almost like a comeback album yeah um and it went on to sell seven million albums so they've doubled their uh album total from heathen chemistry one of the more solid efforts top to bottom yeah this is a this is a good a good oasis album it's not a great one but it's a very good it's a definite rebirth for them as far as quality albums what struck me about it when i got it was is very stripped down yeah i thought um, songs like uh, the importance of being idle. Uh, I guess God thinks I'm able. Um, and um, also, though, it has has like one of their more unique songs, um, "Mucky Fingers." Yeah, it's basically like two chords. Yeah, it's Noel singing. Uh, I love that. Lila was the lead single. Uh, when I was reading this week, it was one of the last songs they recorded. The record label didn't said we needed something else as a single. This was a song that they kind of had laying around and yeah. think it was good enough. They recorded. Noel hated it, and now he, I think he said, well, it did the business it was supposed to do. Yeah. Well, thankfully, it wasn't cherry pie. <laughs> that was the uh, the the warrant. Uh, we need one more song. We need a hit, and cherry pie is written in thirty seconds. And um, <laughs> and poor Janie Lane. So you know, yeah, that's a great song. Um, my my personal favorite off of that was the importance of being idle. Um, I really, really like that song. Lila, I like that song as well. Um, so there, it's, a, it's a good, solid album. Nothing to complain about to me on that one. Like we said, kind of a return to form, but apparently behind the scenes, things are just getting worse and worse with yeah. Noel and Liam. They tour, and then a couple years later, they come out with Dig Out Your Soul. Now, we did a podcast when we first started this uh, this podcast entitled, basically, I think it was like Best Final Albums, yeah. like Last Album. And this is one of my favorite final albums from a band. Dig Out Your Soul only sold about 2 million copies. But I really liked the direction they were going with with this album. And to some extent, Noel has gone in the direction that this album was taking them, especially kind of with this last album that he did. Completely agree with that. Um, 
it had some really good songs on the Shock of the Lightning, The Rapture. Uh, it had uh, Bag It Up, uh, Get Off Your High Horse Lady. Uh, really kind of diverse. And to be where there's a, to be where there's love, or is it life? I can't remember. Um, to be. I get that confused. It's one of my favorite songs off the album. To be where there's life. To be where there's life is unlike anything they've ever done before. Well, and and if you look at the track listing on all the albums, this is one of the first ones they started really letting other people in the band write stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which was kind of interesting too because it's pretty much Noel, 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 and Noel. Um, Occasionally Liam and one or two other people. Right. It's pretty much Noel, so this was a a big turn. Well, kind of what did you you think about, like, because Don't Believe the Truth was, was... Kind of almost their stripped down album, yeah. and then this one, this one's a rock album. Yeah, I like this album. The um, the Shock of Lightning is 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 a great song off of that album. Um, one of my favorites off of that one. Um, Get off your high horse, lady. is is kind of an interesting track. It's not, and that's why I like it. That's one of the reasons. I, it's just it just doesn't. It's not an atypical Oasis song. Well, so. as they progressed, the Noel songs got better and better. Yeah. And you started saying, I wish there were more Noel songs on the album. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, at this point in time, this is what, 2008, I mm-hmm. think, when this album came out, there was so much junk in the media. And I, I'm trying to remember there was a concert where um, Liam bailed and I think he had laryngitis or something like that. And Noel basically called him out and said no you don't they were suing each other in court over slander and you know it, it, it just they were at the just at the tipping point of just completely combusting and um but I, I i have grown to like this album more recently than i did when it probably first came out because i think for me as a fan there was a period where listened to a lot of their stuff and I would listen to stuff as it came out but it was just not as enthusiastic and so this was one I've picked up over the last couple of years and really like this album how ironic is you know they're always compared to the Beatles and they go and they bring in Ringo Starr's son Zach Starkey to play drums yeah <laughs> um, I mean that's that's bold yes it is and I, you know that's why I said like I think they I think they do it on purpose um, because I there are times where they've deserved the Beatles comparison on certain songs, but they really don't. Right. I don't, I don't, I like the Beatles. I love the Beatles, but grew up listening to the Beatles. Um, but they, they just don't deserve, they're, they're a very different band to me. Yeah. I think you can cherry pick a few songs yeah. and say there's a Beatles. Well, let's be honest with you. They, they ripped off the Coke song. I mean, they, the right. Coca-Cola song, um, you know, really early on, they have to pay what is it, a half million dollars or something for stealing that, you know, basically song. And, um, so yeah, they 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 borrowed at points, and I think that's one of the things that they've gotten in trouble. Three or four times they've had to kind of pay off folks for stealing some music, or at least heavily borrowing, or it right. Just, it just happens to really sound like this. With Led Zeppelin, get away with what they've done. Yeah, they should. Um, no, Oasis should have never paid a dollar to anybody. You know, Noel has always said his goal was to be a hybrid of the Beatles and the Stone Roses, mm-hmm. and I would argue they're more Stone Roses than they are. Yeah. They are Beatles. I would, I would completely agree with that. Um, well, they go out on tour and it just ends in the middle of a tour. Um, I think I've read that Liam may have smashed one of Noel's guitars backstage or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, what I remember hearing is they he threw like a plum at him or something like that, and then started like he was basically grabbed a guitar and started wielding it like an axe and um, a literal axe and. and <laughs> You know, just it, it went downhill from there to, you know, uh, uh, the stuff that 
uh, Liam openly said about Noel and I mean into the even now the trash they talk about each other um, with the with the parachuting you know they started um, started playing don't look back with anger you know, don't look back in anger you know was like a hit and right you know you should do something and he was chastising you know Noel in the background or about it and Noel just didn't say anything well he was secretly donating all of the money he was making off of iTunes to help victims of this thing of the the event and right you know so it just uh, they've you know Liam's threatened his family and threatened everything else in the world and I just it's it's unfortunate. It's it's really sad because if you watch that documentary, their father was a horrible person. Oh yes, terrible. And tormented them. And to some extent, I mean, well, not to some extent, to a great extent, you have to admire what they overcome overcame. Well, the funny thing is, even in the Supersonic documentary, Noel got the brunt of it. Liam got it, but not nearly like Noel got it. And you know, so Dad, if you used, think, to, Dad used to come in the light and just beat him. Yeah, just for no apparent reason, just right. just beat him and. You know, finally, mom left and did what she needed to do. But you know, so if you think one of them's going to be super bitter and angry about it, it's going to be Noel, and he's right. not. Like it's Liam's the one that you know. Once again, maybe that ties back into that. I don't have talent, I have whatever, and so I have to make it like it's worse because right. my brother actually had it worse, and he's the one that's actually talented and or exceptionally talented. Um, I don't want to say Liam's completely. No, he's not. Talent, and, and Noel like is very quick to say like Oasis wouldn't be Oasis without. No, you, you, you and I fundamentally that swagger that he has, it they needed that to set the oh, yeah. mark, and you know it's 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 a uh, watching them and that it, it twenty or nineteen, I guess when when they're when definitely maybe came out and I started paying attention to them like it was like when I early early along one of my best concert memories is I saw Motley Crue in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I don't remember who was like Rat or Cinderella or somebody was supposed to open for them. And this unknown band named Guns N' Roses was opening for them. Nobody had ever heard of them. Everybody was bummed out. And then all of a sudden Guns N' Roses comes out on stage and I did not want them to stop playing. And it was like that swagger that Axl Rose and those guys like that have, Liam had it. It just, um, he's never grown out of it at all. Axel's at least even chilled in, in his older age and, you know, shows up to concerts on time and does right. what he's supposed to do now. So I think they had to have Liam to become the thing they were. It's just... You know. Well, and I think they're, honestly, the last great, quote-unquote, rock band that had that swagger. Like, they had that kind of 70s stone swagger, like... Yeah. We're the best there is. I don't care what you think. We're the best there is. Yeah. We're going to go out on stage and do it. And you don't see that anymore. I know people, man, people are doing their best to make the struts into that. Yeah. I just, they don't do it for me. Well, and, and they don't, I think, I don't know if you can do it now with the kind of current political environment to come out and just not care what you say at all. Right. You get punished so much now for that. Right. I don't know if anybody can pull that off and still be huge. Right, because um, they'll get protested and everything else. So it's well, and they're also, I think, they're a lot more media savvy than people give give them. Like they know how to keep their name, yeah, in the news. One of my favorite quotes from Noel ever was uh, something like, "Just because you sell a lot of records doesn't mean you're talented." Just look at Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, they bagged on Phil a couple of times, and I really like Phil Collins. Um, <laughs> they they Noel just doesn't. I don't I don't know if it's like really personal or it's just kind of shtick with him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he'll talk about him being bald and not being good. You know, they're kind of yeah. famous for their feuding with. with yeah, other there, people. there was. I think. I think this is, 
and I don't remember who it is. I saw it on the, the Supersonic documentary. They're getting an award at you know, the MTV or the European Music Awards or something like that. And I think it's Michael Hutchins from NXS before he mm-hmm. passed away. It might, I, mean, I could be wrong about this. Um, but it's it's somebody that that's a famous musician, and they get the award. And the last thing I think Liam says in the microphone is, um, is you know, has been shouldn't be giving awards out to future or or gonna be's or something like that. And the guys just stand there, just looking at him like, what on earth? And and I think even after kind of Oasis fizzled, um, Liam came out and got some award that they got for the greatest album of the last thirty years or something like that. And um, you know, he made some off putting remark and tossed the tossed the uh, tossed the award into the crowd and you know that was that and he was done and so I don't know I, they're um, that, that that swagger is just like I said it can be a little off but it's got to be in their DNA though yeah oh they're both like just wired for it but they were I think soccer hooligans and kind of all that stuff and you know before they were ever in bands and when they were young and so I I think it was just it's it's always been them um but you know you kind of have to develop something when you got a home environment right. that bad um, that they seem to have had. You have to have something to stand on, and I guess that's how it manifested. And for it was I think Knowles quoted one time saying, uh, "My dad beat beat great songwriting into me, or something like that. Like he just he beat the talent out of me, and then that was what he you know he became. This, ironically, he never seems to write about it. No." Which he is, doesn't, but uh, he's also said like half the time he didn't even know what his song lyrics mean. So it's yeah, you know, it's kind of it's it's an interesting. Um, I'm a big Jason Isbell fan. You know, he kind of spells everything out pretty right. heavily in his music. Uh, Noel doesn't do that, but he writes really great songs and really great has really great lyrics. So, all right, so like we said, they break up after "Dig Out Your Soul," and um, they are no more. Uh, Liam went on to form BDI. Uh, they've broken up. Noel formed Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, who've put out three really good albums. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, the albums just get better. Um, who Built the Moon was my favorite album of that year. It's a complete departure from anything he's ever done. He begged people to to have an open mind or open ear, yeah. uh, and I did, and I really liked it. Um, and so they are where they are right now, and you know that is talking smack about one another. Liam has openly said he wants to get the band back together. Uh, you know, he'll even sometimes on Twitter, like, try to, you know, tell the guitar player, you know, we want to get back together. But I don't think no- Noel has any... Noel has threatened to sue him if he sings an Oasis song live. Yeah. So I, I have, I just, as much as I would, as much as I would, I guess, kind of like to see them tour, I don't think I have to. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I really... I don't think it would. It would. I think it would be a, a giant disaster. They wouldn't finish the tour. No, I think it would just be more headache, and there's no reason for right. it. Right. Um, this is probably way off connection to this, but if you look at Tom Kiefer um, from Cinderella. Tom Kiefer put out a really good solo album. He's do, he can do all the Cinderella stuff, and you know he doesn't bring Cinderella back because of one of the members' addiction issues and stuff like that. But at this point in life, he doesn't need to. He can go out and do it all on his own and. And it's not to the level clearly that Noel right. Gallagher has done it because they're they're a tremendously more successful right. band uh, and musician. But I think that there would be zero reason for Noel to put up with that at this point in his career. The money couldn't be that much better because he's going to have to split it. Yeah, I mean he's opening for you two, and yeah. I mean, you know, doing great business. Uh, yeah. You know, like I said, it was a small place for some in New Orleans, but like still like in Europe and South America. Yeah, he's, he's huge. He's yeah. huge. 
All right, so what I've kind of asked Stephen to do is come up with his top 15 Oasis songs. And this has been the hardest podcast I've had to prepare for yet when it comes to coming up with my top 15. So what we're going to do is Stephen's going to go through his 15. We're going to talk about them as he goes through them. And then um, I'm going to go through my 15. And then we're going to uh, talk about our honorable mentions for a few minutes because I think we both have a lot. So I'm going to turn it over to Stephen and let it rip. All right. So I will start at the top and work my way down. And this is this was this was tough. I was asked for a top 10 and I, I just didn't think I could do it. Um, so I will say this, my top five is probably, it won't change. I think these are my favorite five songs that Oasis has. The rest of them become sort of interchangeable and could be flexible depending on the mood I'm in. But I'm like that with a lot of bands. Number one song, Morning Glory. That is hands down my favorite Oasis song from that opening kind of guitar riff to everything. I just absolutely love that song. Great chorus. Yes. It is just a, like I can, it's, as soon as it comes on, crank the radio in the car, like I just, just love it. Start speeding. Yes. <laughs> um, number two is Rock and Roll Star, uh, which is my favorite out, favorite song off of Definitely Maybe. Um, that just, um, funny enough, and we didn't talk about this, one of the things that kind of solidified my love of Oasis when I, I knew that, but I remember Lars Ulrich from Metallica just thought they were the greatest band ever and talked about them a lot openly and so that was that was one of the songs that he mentioned and so it's it's my number two number three is live forever um i think noel uh made some quote on there that that i wrote this song and knew it was the greatest song ever before i even recorded it (laughs) so uh very confident about that all right, so this was the song that it was not in my top 15 until I started listening to songs again. It was an honorable mention, but it uh, little by little off of Heathen Chemistry. I truly, truly, truly love this song. I uh, have grown to love it, and it might bump up a little bit more the more I listen to it. So that was one that kind of came out of nowhere in my uh, top 15. And probably my top 10 initially was would have been an Oasis Greatest Hits album. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's there. So Supersonic was number five. Uh, the first song I ever heard by them, and I still love that song. Wonderwall was six. Clearly, everybody in the world loves that song. Um, number seven, Don't Look Back in Anger, off of What's the Story, Morning Glory. Um, number eight was Hello, off of Morning Glory. Um, number nine, do, do You Know What I Mean? It's a long song, and it was, it was, it, but I just, I've always liked it. I like the video. I, it just, it kind of connected. It's still I think it may be Liam's very best vocals. Yeah. And it's still, but it had that swagger that he is, is good at. Um, number 10, All Around the World. Number 11, um, is Acquiesce. Um, number 12 is Stop Crying Your Heart Out off of Heathen Chemistry. Uh, number 13, Whatever off of Definitely Maybe. Number 14, uh, Stand By Me off of Be Here Now. And number 15, The Shock of Lightning off of Dig Out. All right, so yours is yours is pretty heavy on the, those first two. Yes, and it was hard not to be heavy on those. And, was, and you omitted Champagne Supernova. Yes, it was in there. and then, But it was only in my top 15 because I felt like it needed to be in the top 15. I really like the song, but it's it's... It's a great song. It just it it didn't make the final cut. So. Right. Um, that's crazy because it's one of their biggest hits. But it goes to show you how deep their catalog is. Yeah. 
All right, so here are mine, and I did mine kind of in chronological order instead of ranking, except when I got right before you came over and I realized, oh, I didn't have 15, it's 14, so I threw one in at the very end. Uh, like I said, chronologically, Live Forever, um, kind of the ultimate Oasis it's song. It's what Incredibly it's, written song. It's what hooked me in. The next is Columbia off that album. Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, I thought that was about cocaine because uh, of the, the <laughs> country and just the lyrics I've heard them say they don't know what the song is about so I'll I'll give them that uh, the next is Cigarettes and Alcohol one of my favorite just straight up rock songs Rod Stewart does an amazing cover of it on a, a covers album mm-hmm. that he does on that uh, Familiar to Millions album man they totally nail this jam it out at the end almost yeah. has like a whole lot of love feel at the end that that is a that's that's an honorable mention for me and it was it it I don't know why them didn't make the top fifteen but it's a great great song awesome so it is, that whole, that whole album's great the next I've got Morning Glory man that chorus is just unreal you know they knew they had a good song when they quote unquote tease it before Hello which is yeah. the opening song yeah. of that album and Liam Liam's vocals on that so that's probably my his favorite vocals he's ever done on a track. Well, I think it shows I think it shows the most range yeah. almost of any song that he does. Um Don't Look Back in Anger I had to keep put that on there because it's kind of the first time we really hear Noel. Um like we said it's a crowd favorite. There's a great version you can go online and look on YouTube. And I think you can just probably Google, or not Google, on YouTube, type in Oasis, Don't Look Back in Anger, Noel Cries. It's one of their yeah. final shows, and Noel is, he. I think he knows yeah. the handwriting's on the wall. Um, if you go see him in solo, he, he does a great job with it. All right, next is Cast No Shadow, and this was written about the lead singer of The Verve. Yeah. Um, this is one of the more mellow songs. The lyrics to me are very deep. Um, it's kind of about, he said that, his name's Richard Ashoft or something like that. Yeah, it's Richard something. I can't yeah. think of it. Yeah. He was like, he always looked unhappy. And he was almost <laughs> like, he was almost like he was saddled with, you know, saddled by the, you know, by the weight of the words that yeah. you have. Um, and he's, he's going on to say it's kind of, it was written about him. Richard Ashcroft. Yeah, exactly. Ashcroft. Yeah. Now, but now he realizes. It's just kind of about musicians that feel like they have a burden to say something important. Yeah, um, and that's a very that poor guy's career. The the biggest hit he has, and which not to get off on a tangent, is that how that they have he, to pay the stones all yeah, the money. Basically, from everything he lost everything off the biggest hit, and it was one of the biggest hits of the year it came out. And so anyway, terribly sad thing. But at the time, a different song for them, a little more mellow than, than some of the other stuff. All right, now uh, off standing on the shoulder of giants album you said you didn't like nothing good on it i disagree go let it out um this song got on my list after seeing him live yeah because of that it's a great version of of um familiar to millions uh but seeing him live he plays an acoustic guitar on it it's a little bit different um grown to really like the song all right now we're going to get into some of uh the b-sides step out yeah uh straight up rocker it's on familiar to millions great noel song like I said, uh, really one of their more well-known yeah. B-sides, Acquiesce. Top five Oasis song for me. Yeah, You really get to see Noel and, and Liam shine on this one. One of the few where they sing to get – Noel sings the uh, chorus, Liam sings the verse. Yeah. Um, and then the song Talk Tonight, we've mentioned that a little bit. 
It was written when basically Noel just disappeared from the band, and it's just pre-internet, pre-cell phones. Nobody knew where he was, and so they go to the hotel and have to like trace his phone calls back. He's made a phone call to some girl that lives in San Francisco. That he, he go- like hooked up with the yeah. night before, and and he says in the documentary, I don't even remember her name now. Yeah. But like that's when he realized I'm going back. Oasis is my band. I'm taking control of it. And had, had that visit with her turned out differently, we never would have had anything. Yeah, wouldn't have what we have. Uh, talk tonight. One of my favorites. All right, little by little, <coughs> off of Heathen Chemistry. This is a top five Oasis song for me. It's my favorite Noel song that he did with Oasis, and I like a lot of his stuff. Um, like we said, you see them live. It's a crowd favorite. Listen, crowds. Yeah. I still haven't completely wrapped my head around exactly what the song is about. Yeah, I've read some theories. What's your understanding? Of I what don't it's know. About? Like, there's that's the thing about Oasis songs. Like, I think I know stuff, and I don't think I know stuff. So, I, honestly, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a, you know, I, you just got the long. My God woke up on the wrong yeah. side of his bed. I've heard people say it may be about like, um, um. Children that are mistreated and bullied and go on to commit violence. Yeah, but I don't really know, and I don't know either. I know both both of them have kind of openly, um, I think, have professed atheism. I guess mm-hmm. to some point, and so I don't I don't know what you know. I don't know where to take that lyric. I know how I, I might interpret it, um, but that I have nothing. To do I kind of interpret it like I've got I got a raw deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, to me, it would be you know that that you wake up and you you. Um, he thinks God God has an end for you, and, right? You know, as a as a person, I don't believe it that way. But that's you know that right. I can see where somebody could see it from that perspective. All right. So next for me is the lead single off of "Don't Believe the Truth," Lala. Yeah. Um, this is a song that's grown really grown on me over the years, um, and there's a live video of them playing. I think it's like a bonus on like the um, Lord Don't Let Me Down documentary or whatever they're playing in Manchester. Yeah hometown they play this crowd goes nuts for it um i really like it a lot of oasis fans bag on it and you know it, it they think what they want to think the next one this is my oddball pick mucky fingers off yeah. don't believe the truth two chords i think yeah uh, and i like uh you know i just like the line talking about like you got your information from um oh, i'm drawing a blank now I don't know uh, the Union well. Jack and yeah. stuff like that. Um, a great Noel song, upbeat. Like I said, it's probably the simplest song he's ever written. Next, the lead song off of um, Dig Out Your Soul, uh, Bag It Up, mm-hmm. the opening song. It's clearly about drugs. Yeah. There's no other way around it. Yeah. Uh, amazing song. And then, so I realized I had that only had 14. And um, so I'm going to have to pull one. Um, out of it and it's gonna have to be out of my honorable mentions I'm gonna have to go Supersonic yeah it's a great track a great rock track Uh, was it the first single yes (coughs) or at least for me I'm 99% sure it's the first single but it was the first Oasis song I ever heard not the deepest lyrically that they've uh, ever done no but I don't think it needed to be it was just this like if you could, I don't know. Like, there's something about like their first album or so when I watched them perform it. It it's almost like one of them could have just been sticking the middle finger out the entire time. They were. That's just the vibe I get off of it, and they just don't care. And like, I think that's that was the beauty of them that 
you know, the 44 year old version of me is kind of like, oh, I grow up. But the right, the 19, 20 year old me was like, that's just awesome. Cause I, my own personality just can't be, I'm just not that way. And so that it, it was, it was a, a definitely a, a raw vibe to it. So, well, if I hadn't included supersonic, it would have to be, uh, to be where there's life. And I just looked that up and realized Gim Archer wrote that. Yeah. That's not even Gallagher Brothers uh, production. One of the few. <laughs> yeah, one of the few. All right, so hard coming up with a list, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing is I think for me, I I had the view of like, okay, so here's the what I think are the best songs I've ever done, and it looks a lot like what you would see on a Greatest Hits album. And I had a hard time, especially Champagne Supernova, kicking that one out of the the wheelhouse of the first the top 15 because it's such a big song but at the same time like i could have i've sat here doing my honorable mentions and could have gone on and on and on and just it was this was a hard band to do that with it, it, guns and roses which i didn't say this earlier guns and roses is one of my favorite bands i can knock out a top 10 and not a lot of difficulty that oasis i have struggled because it's just there's it's just so much depth to what they do from one end to the other and um so they did they did a, a bang up job writing music so I, I did get my honorable mention and just stopped at eight so well and it it could also be that it kind of depends on what kind of mood you're in yeah like they have put out some really mellow stuff yeah she's electric yeah i mean it, it, that's a that's a great song and then or do you just want to like the full ahead rock of those first two albums yeah and i, I the guitar tone that, that and I've, I've kind of grown to appreciate this I think a lot more as I've gotten older the guitar tone that Noel has in their music is one of the reasons I like their music it is very distinct and, and you don't you don't think about him being this you know phenomenal guitarist he's not like he's Zach Wilde or Steve Vai or somebody mm-hmm. like that but his tone is just great and I think that makes a lot of their music is the tone he has and so that's those first two albums especially are very heavily tied into that guitar tone He's underappreciated, I think. Yeah. I mean, definitely as a songwriter. I think people will do not put him where he needs to be songwriting-wise. He's a, he's a great lyricist. And, um, I cannot recommend those three Noel Gallagher solo albums. Um, and if you get um, the second album, get the deluxe version, has a song on there called a Redemption Song. Yeah. That's one of the best things he's ever written. All right, so we've heard your top 15. Let's hear your honorable mentions. Um, some honorable mentions. I did include Champagne Supernova because I just think you cannot ignore that song. It's kind of like going, let me tell you all the great Jimmy Buffett songs. We're not going to talk about Margaritaville. <laughs> like it just, it was a huge song. So it is in there. Um, Don't Go Away Off of Be Here Now is uh, in there. This was a song we talked about before we started, uh, started the show. Um, Get Off Your High Horse Lady. I really like this song. It is, to me, not a standard typical oasis song it just was a great kind of groovy song um falling down off of uh, dig out was another one um slide away off of definitely maybe roll with it off of morning glory glory um don't go away off of be here now and and another one um was uh the importance of being idle that great was song. a great great song and so that was and then at that point I just was like okay I can keep writing stuff down but it's this is becoming obnoxious <laughs> so I, I I just kind of walked away from there so that's that's the end of my honorable mentions well mine let's see I've got Shaker Maker yes I've got Hello uh, some might say Wonderwall yeah. their biggest hit 
Uh, My Big Mouth, but the Null version off the uh, re-release. Going Nowhere off Master Plan. Uh, Where Did It All Go Wrong and Sunday Morning Call off of uh, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. Hindu Times. Yes, great song. Um, Turn Up the Sun. She's Electric. I'm Out of Time. And Get Off Your High Horse Lady. Yeah. Um, like I said, man, this was a tough one. This was a tough one to do. Because you I, you don't want to be one of these people that's like, oh, I don't I don't want to put anything that are the hits. But, and, and, you know, and then you don't want to be like, only do greatest hits things. Yeah. But Wonderwall is a great song. I think the radio has helped ruin it for me. Yeah. But they had a lot of other really good songs. I mean, they have a deep, deep catalog. Yeah, and they they they're just one of those bands. Like I think there's nothing that I don't know. This might not be the right way to put it. Where there's this exceptional thing about them as a band that like wow, the guitar players and right. the vocalists is, is they're just solid. And what they do is their thing. And it's um, like I said, it, it's very much. You can't definitely can't beat the swagger and the confidence, um, but it, they were a very unique band that 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 um, I, the older I get, I've grown to appreciate them more and more. Versus you know, oh, they're a couple of cool albums and whatever. Um, so I really, really have they've they've stuck around the long term with me. There's a lot more to them than those first two albums. Yes, for sure. Uh, Stephen, this was easy. Was cool. it hard? No. It was hard coming up with the list. Yeah, it's hard coming up with the list. The uh, the discussion uh, was was very easy. Um, like we said, I thank you for coming out in the monsoon. I uh, appreciate uh, you having me. Hopefully, the microphone hasn't picked up some of them. It was raining pretty hard there. Yeah, it got pretty rough for a while. Pretty a uh, few minutes ago. Uh, like I said, uh, now that I know that you're just down the road from me, this won't be your last time. Cool. Uh, you did great on it, and like I said, my buddy Chris wants to do a butch. Walker episode. I would love um, to do that. Hopefully, you and I at least catch either that LA Guns or Faster Pussycat show, and maybe we can. Uh, Chris, who you know does a podcast with Faster Pussycat, is one of his all-time favorite bands. Yeah, they're they're a completely underrated sleaze metal band, and they're. Well, what I like about you is you're kind of all over the place like us, so yes. uh, that you I think you'll fit in uh, fit in easily with us in the future. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, like I said earlier, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and on Instagram at Digital Killed, the Radio Star Podcast. And uh, subscribe to us on whatever platform you so choose. Uh, I want to thank Stephen once again for being on here. Uh, Oasis, one of our favorite bands. This was a fun one, but difficult one to prep for. Chris and I will be back with you next week. Take care, everybody.